Hi everyone, thanks for checking into the Grad Girl Wellness Podcast, a space designed to inspire and highlight the stories of women of color in graduate school who are prioritizing their overall health and wellness while pursuing higher education. My name is Angela and I'm your host. Let's get started. Hi, Alice. Thank you for being on the show today. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm managing in quarantine, doing the best I can. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, what your discipline Mm -hmm. is, and what year you are in your program. Okay. So um, just like we started, my name is Alice. Um, I am a mental health counselor. So currently I'm licensed in the state of New York and Ohio. And um, so basically that's what I do. And then um, I am also a PhD student um, studying counselor education and supervision. And I am currently in my second year um, in my program at the University of the Cumberland um, in Kentucky. And it's an online program. Mm Awesome. So I'm really happy to have you here and to talk to you. So be it that you are balancing a a real job and PhD -hmm. PhD program, Mm -hmm. what does self-care look like for you? Mm. Yeah, I think it depends on the day and Mm -hmm. the time. So it looks different. I mean, currently, I would say one thing or one silver lining of this um, COVID and quarantine is working from home. And for me, I have realized that actually works for me. So I'm actually thinking of not going back into the office when all of this is over. I have realized how how very important it is for me to actually uh, be in my own space, work from home. Um, Like being home makes me feel safe. I do not have to commute around, especially in a city like New York. So for me, that has been part of my self-care kind of realizing what works for me, even in a work environment. Um, And also like on a day-to-day basis. So what I eat, how much sleep I get, uh, and also who I even allow into my space or who gets access to me. For me, I feel like that's also very important to me. So um, kind of being a counselor, I know that that can, in of itself is emotionally draining. So um, for me, I know it's okay to say no to things, right? It's okay when friends are going out to be like, no, I don't want, I really don't want to go. I want to spend the night um, sleeping or just being at home to recharge up. For me, that works for me. Um, kind of just also, like I said, especially in quarantine, just really eating. That has been also my self-care. Not really worried about um, my weight or what the scale looks, um, kind of being happy with my body and how my body is really helping me to survive in a time like this and really feeding my body, drinking water, uh, praying, um, that helps at times, also meditating. So it, it kind of depends on the day-to-day basis. Currently, it's also getting cold in New York, so I can't really go out for walks, but before during the summertime, I used to do that where I will at least have an hour um, time of walking, kind of mindfulness, listening to some music, listening to a podcast and stuff like that. So that's what it really means to me. And also time management for me, um, 
really like on the weekend, especially on a Saturday, just really to sit down and look at what my week looks like. What do I have to do? Um, how much time do I have? That helps me to say yes to things and to say no to things. So if somebody has to ask me something, I'm like, okay, let me look at my calendar and get back to you. Oh, I could do this. I cannot do this. So that gives me a little bit of control over my whole um, agenda for the day because I know, okay, this week I have this amount of assignments due. I have this amount of clients I have to see. Um, I have this amount of counselors I have to work with um, and to have a balance of that too. So that's what it looks like to me at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I love that you have like a criteria for evaluating what you do and don't mm -hmm. do and how that can change over time. So my question is, were you always aware of these things? Um, mm. And if not, like what got you to that point of knowing yourself enough to know like this does and doesn't work for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think some of what I was sharing was like parenting and working from home kind of kind of gave me this awareness about myself and how I like my workspace to be. So before I didn't know that. Um, and um, I used to work in like, I think, two different places. So I would get up work, my full time work, and then go into private practice, being on the train. And before I didn't really know, I didn't, oh, I wasn't even aware how much um, time that takes and how much it told it also had on my emotional and mental health commute and being on the train going around. I didn't know that. So I learned that about myself during quarantine. Um, before, again, um, before, I mean, before getting into a PhD program, I felt like, oh, I had infinite amount of time to do whatever I want. But now I've, I've realized, oh, okay, this is not going to help me if I don't really sit down. Um, I would have assignments too, and I'd be like, oh, I didn't know about this. Mm -hmm. uh, or things would pop up, and I'd be like, oh, I missed this. So that kind of, okay, now this is what you have to do. Because I used to tell myself, well, I'm not a person who puts things on a calendar. But now I have become that person who puts things on a calendar. Like, I have everything on it. Like, Blackboard discussion posts due, responses due, big papers due what clients I'm going to see. I have my lunch schedule. So it, in a way, it gives me that structure, like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And before I wasn't used to that. And I think um, it, it also has to do with most of us that sometimes we don't even know what would work for us or what we want unless we try it. And um, I think one thing that I also forgot to mention that I am also in counseling myself. So that also helps with some of the self-exploration and kind of getting that awareness of, oh, this works for me, this doesn't work for me. And uh, what may work for you may not work for me because we, we could be at different points in our life. So you could be like, oh, I'm the person who doesn't put things on a calendar and I'm good with that. I could remember everything and I would be the person that, okay, I am going to forget. So let me put this in my calendar so that I do not forget. So it comes like it's a trial and error and also getting to know myself and mm -hmm. what works for me. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that like because PhD programs can be so long, right, we have mm -hmm. one, like, the opportunity to get, our, to get to know ourselves on kind of like that intimate level. Mm -hmm. One of the good things about how <laughs> it's Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so kind of like transitioning into 
more about your your role as a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what you think makes grad school so emotionally and mentally taxing. Mm. I would say it, it can be different for people of color or black folks. Um, one of the things is just being in a program where most of the time you don't see people who look like you. Mm-hmm. You don't see people who like who reflect who you are and your community and that in of itself could be isolated and very challenging that uh, sometimes you are met with some apprehensions when you bring things up like okay this is not this is like what you're teaching yes i know it's the theory but this is not what it is in my community that this doesn't work right and sometimes that that in of itself could be lonely and isolated and also especially in an online program there is a lot of room for isolation if you don't find your own community because it's different in my master's program at least i was going in person so i get to see people and sometimes we forget and i think during this quarantine we have realized the power of human interaction the power of being around people that in my master's program, I was around people. Um, and so that also gives some sense of community versus in an online program, it's not the same to be around people. It's not the same to be in a classroom and then the assignments that come with it. Um, and then in a PhD student uh, program, some, some people may have children or they may have full-time work, right? And people who may not have that, they, may, uh, they are doing the program full-time. And sometimes the programs don't even pay people enough that they will give you a little stipend to live on. Right. And that in of itself is challenging to think about where your next meal is going to come from, um, how you're going to pay your bills and stuff like that. And we don't think about how that affects one's mental health, but it does to be always worried when you don't have enough money. And then if, if you're not in one of those programs, then that means you also have to think about how you're gonna afford your bills and uh, working full-time, balancing um, a program. If you have family on top of that, balancing having a family, taking care of children, uh, balancing your family. Sometimes you have to miss things with your friends and family. Sometimes you may have to miss birthdays and big celebration. And that in of itself is taxing too when everybody's asking you, why aren't you coming around anymore, right? And I think also when you are a first generation college graduate like myself, it can be very lonely that you don't, of course you have your family to support you, but they may not understand what it feels like and they'll be telling you well nobody sent you to do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) who told you to do this like why are you doing this if you're so stressed out they may not understand uh, kind of what's driving you even though they may be a source of support they could be a source of stress at times too so all those things and then um, like I was talking about the time management piece um, sometimes it could also come with anxiety um, that the fear of the unknown like how is this gonna go right what am i gonna do after i get this degree especially when there are not a lot of people who look like me in this field that in of itself doesn't give you the motivation or doesn't make you feel like oh there is a place for me when i'm done with this degree that i see people like me doing this so all of those things can uh, 
compound versus the other things that we are dealing with in the world, being a black woman, uh, what's going on um, every time we turn on the news. Like we are not separated from that. We are still living in the world and all those things still have impacts on us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a lot, right? Like all of these mm-hmm. compounding issues. Mm-hmm. And I think like what you, what you said really stuck out to me with regards to like the importance of community. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like, it, I feel like a lot of times for myself, kind of this contradiction, I want to be here, I want to do the work, but at the same time, I'm putting myself in these very <laughs> conflicting and like different mm-hmm. environments, right? And so mm-hmm. it's about finding something within yourself and in other people, right? That can sustain mm-hmm. Um, but that can be difficult to find. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Mm-hmm. How have you found community? I think particularly as someone who's taking um, an online. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I have a group of um, some of my classmates that we text each other, right? Um, and again, I know myself, I don't do very well in group chats or in big groups. So I have folks that I have isolated conversations and one-on-one conversations with where we would just check in on each other. And if we have a class together, we could be like, am I the only one feeling like I didn't get this? Or did you just see what happened? I'm not imagining this, right? So we could sometimes talk about some of those things, even though it's an online class, we could still check in. Um, with each other. And then outside of that, I have uh, people that I did my master's program with that I still talk to. So that in of itself helps me. And then outside of that, I have my friends. Um, I I also try not to have myself made up of counselors because then that could mean we are always talking about counseling stuff. And that in of itself could be training sometimes. So people who kind of um, take me outside of that world, who remind me, okay, let's talk about this, right? Um, or let's do things together. And then I have, um, I have my family. So my family has been very helpful just talking to them. And sometimes even if they don't get it, I'm like, oh, I'm stressed out. I have to do this assignment. I have to do this work. They just listen at times. And although they'll be like, but why are you stressing yourself out? You didn't have to do this. You already have a master's. And I'm like, but I want to do this. So I know what I'm going for. And sometimes, though I cannot explain it, I mean, they are always there to listen, even if I bring the same thing back and forth, right? And also finding, finding opportunities for community just um, around the internet. Um, if, if there is some um, things happening, like community gatherings happening and I have the time, I'll just be there to listen. And that in of itself gives me a space um, also for community and just to be around um, people also. So that's how I find um, community. And sometimes I, I just seek it out. Like, okay, I'm looking for this community. So how do I get to these people? I just seek it out and be intentional about it also. Mm-hmm. No, I think intentionality is key. And that's something I've had to learn to be more assertive about and just being honest mm-hmm. that I need certain things and that I want to be in community with other people. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of, in the same vein of like people that we need and who can support us, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you too have a counselor. And mm-hmm. I get asked a lot by women in graduate school, like, how do I go about finding a counselor? <laughs> and then what do I do when I can't find mm-hmm. somebody who looks like me? Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if you have any suggestions, any reflections on, on that situation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I think probably because I'm a counselor, maybe I would have a different perspective. But I know looking for a counselor can be very um, taxing or daunting. Just to how do you even start, right? But although um, there is a small percentage of us um, Black people or people of color, we are still out there. That you can find us. Um, there are there are like listings that you can look on. Um, a couple that I could think of: inclusive therapists, psychology today. Uh, people may have their own issues with them, but there are listings on that. Um, headways and care. So there are a whole lot of listings out there that people like a Google search could help with that. And I would say that if you want to look for a therapist to be um, to be really committed to it. Um, Cause it could take some time before finding a therapist or a counselor that works uh, for you. Cause it's about the relationship. So how do you feel with this person? And there are counselors who offer like a brief, either 20 minutes or 30 minutes consultation for free. And in doing those consultations, you get to feel the vibe or the energy, like, okay, this person, I can work with this person or I cannot work with this person. And also, what, what, what's important to you? So you could ask those questions when you get in there. If race is important to you, you could ask the, um, the, um, the counselor that question that how important do you incorporate these things in your practice? How important do you incorporate like structural racism or systemic stuff that happens um, in, in your counseling, how can we have those conversations? And uh, some people would be upfront and tell you, okay, I don't do this. Or some people would say you can, and then you cannot, it turns out you cannot. So like all those things, if you if you want a counselor who is queer, feminine, there are a couple of those out there too, that you also have to make it your forefront doing that, that consultation that this is what I'm looking for, this is what I want, and I wanna make sure you're the best person. And you could ask the counselors, are they getting supervision and who are they getting supervision from? How much work have they done around um, racial justice stuff and stuff like that? So you could ask those questions. And then once you start working with a person, I think sometimes people are very apprehensive and, and ending things with therapists or counselors, even if it's not working for them. But if it's not working for you, I always advise people to let the counselor know and um, and end the relationship if it's not working. And I can assure you that would be okay with uh, with a counselor. It 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 serves no good when you know it's not working. When you keep going, then there is no you're not getting anything from it. That uh, it's okay to let the person know that this is not working. And I've, I've had folks who have just stop coming all together and that sense of message like okay this wasn't working for this person some people decide to do that um, although i would not um, recommend you do that but that's also the kind of um, choice just ghosting um, a counselor altogether but um there are counselors out there um, black counselors, um, counselors of color. Like I said, it could take some time and also depending on your location, that could also be very difficult that where you're located. Um, I know I'm located in New York, where New York City, where there are a whole bunch of counselors of color, um, black counselors. 
clear counselors and all of that. So it makes choosing sometimes a little bit easy. And even though, even with that, it was still difficult for me as a counselor to go through that process. So I can imagine how it would be for somebody who is not a counselor, but to be really determined. Uh, it could take months to find somebody who works uh, with you, who understands you, but I can assure you that once you find that person, you, you wouldn't know. And it feels so good when you find that person where you're like, okay, this is my person that I could take on this journey with also. Oh, I, I appreciate you saying that even as a counselor, it was hard. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a new yeah. well, and it was hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I went through a couple of folks before I found the person. So it is hard and sometimes i'm like where do i look i don't want to look anymore i'm just so tired but yeah even as a counselor it's, it's still it's still daunting yeah wow. and i think the one thing that helped me is um there's like a list like a women of color listserv at my school and so okay. i asked them if they knew anyone so in that instance mm -hmm. we all had the same insurance from our school. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's one of the hardest things, right? Finding somebody who takes insurance. Yes, yes. And a lot of counselors, most don't take insurance. And uh, I mean, before I was a counselor, I was always like, why? But when I became a counselor <laughs> and licensed and practicing in private um, practice, I now know why. It's, it's so difficult. Um, those insurance uh, reimbursement and uh, Imagine how how many insurance companies we have, and for 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 counselors, we have to apply to each insurance company, and then do separate billing for each company. So, somebody like me, who is one person um, doing this work or one person in business, imagine how much number of time I'm going to put into all this um, extra service or behind the scene while I'm not getting paid for it. Right. That could take a whole lot of my time, or I would have to spend all my evenings doing that. So that's one thing that um, really um, deters um, counselors for not taking insurance. And then the rate, the reimbursement rate is also really low because there is still a stigma around mental health counseling. So insurance companies are not reimbursing counselors that much. Some are reimbursing them as low well as $40 per session or $50 per session. And then if you are in business, that um, you run at a loss uh, working, um, thinking from like a business perspective, because you also want your counselor to be well rested. You don't want your counselor to be thinking about money, to be stressed out, <laughs> like all of that. You want them to be in a good state of mind to provide you that support that um, you need. You don't want them burn out. You don't want them like they have like like a lot of um, um, case, their case was so overloaded. Because when they are reimbursing you that low, it means you have to work with a lot of clients to make it in your business, and that leads to burnout. So, so there are a lot of things that structural stuff, the uh, systemic stuff that we have to work on changing. And we have to hold insurance companies accountable and stuff like that, that um, it's not counselors' fault. It's, it's the whole system, our healthcare system, that doesn't make room for some of these things. Yeah. 
No, that's really interesting and important to know, right? How, like, we're all suffering, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, I wanted to move us to the lightning round, which is where you just give the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> um, so, okay. <laughs> you ready? Yes. <laughs> all right. So the first one is, give us three words to describe wellness and graduate school. I would say sleep, community, and time management. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Next up, two invaluable resources that have helped you in your wellness journey. Mm -hmm. Again, community as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and counseling, um, my own personal counseling. Yeah. Awesome. And lastly, if you could um, give one piece of advice to our listeners, what would that mm -hmm. be? Mm. When, um, I would say um, you do not have to do it alone, um, that it's okay. Again, the power of community. So it's okay to lean on others. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to seek help, that you do not have to do it all alone. We are not made to do it alone as people, yeah. Awesome. Uh, beautiful note to end on. <laughs> so, Alice, if people wanted to connect with you, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Akos Therapy. So it's A-K-O-S Therapy. And that's for both um, Instagram and, um, and Twitter. Although I'm not that active on Twitter, but you can find me there too. Or in my email, info at centrinwholeness.com. Um, you could also find me over there too awesome and i will link all of that in the show, show notes so people have that to reference mm -hmm. awesome so thank you so much all right. thank you for having me <laughs> that's all i have for you on this episode i hope that you heard something that inspires you along your wellness journey and if so share it with a friend until next time take care <laughs>